You're listening to DraftKings Network. Coming up on Unreasonable Odds, we go through week six in the National Football League, week seven college football. Brendan Glasheen and Julian Edlow. Jules sits down with the director of the DraftKings Sportsbook, Johnny Avello, what the people want and what the book might need. We have Corby Craig, friend of the podcast of Keep Betting. He joins us to dive into his favorite looks on the college card. And then Julian and I will go through the NFL and wrap with best bets coming up. Okay, welcome into the show. Odds are uh, with Johnny Avello coming up very shortly. Welcome into Unreasonable Odds presented by DraftKings. Odds are with Avello. You'll talk to Avello very shortly, Julian. But uh, mm-hmm. as we get set for another week, good week for the podcast. 4-0, best bets. Samir with the Tua all passing yards look against the Giants. That was at plus money. Good look by producer Samir. Uh, you had two plays. The Niners rolled on... Sunday night, you had Iowa on Saturday against Purdue, and it was ugly early, but Pittsburgh got, got it done, not only covering, but beating the Baltimore Ravens, uh, Steelers plus four and a half. Where are we at, Jules? What's on the mind here as we, we're, we're hitting the midway point? College, we're starting to really figure it out now, I think. I mean, that the cards, the, the, the betting cards haven't been as juicy as a couple weeks ago, but uh, there are spots to be had. Where are you at? I love the college card this upcoming week and uh, was doing well with home underdogs early in the season. I'm going to be loaded up with short home favorites this week. Um, maybe a maybe a gross home dog that we'll, we'll discuss in, uh, in Pittsburgh, who has not been good to me this year. But um, I started fading Pitt at the right time, so that worked out. This might be the time to get back in on them. Uh, but other than that, a lot of short home favorites that I really like, and I've been playing only one or two NFL sides a week and I'm, I'm already on three this week. So I don't, I don't mind the NFL card. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, there are some really good college games. The, the Washington Oregon matchup is really enticing with Michael Penix jr. Now the Heisman favorite, he was 16 to one before the season. Now he's the favorite, uh, across the board. Is Oregon's defense finally a team that can give him problems? I know Washington kind of struggled to put away Arizona, which ended up being a team uh, led by uh, Jed Fish and how they've frustra- they frustrated Caleb Williams in-, in a shootout. You got USC. Speaking of Caleb Williams, USC, Notre Dame. Um, uh, Notre- I, that loss to Ohio State has got me feeling down about Notre Dame because I thought, all right, you know, they came out, they did beat Duke uh, down the stretch in a, in a back and forth. Riley Leonard made it complicated, but then the way they looked against Louisville over the weekend, um, I'm a little concerned about Notre Dame, their coaching, and how they're using Sam Hartman. And if they don't quite get it yet, like they have this guy that can really open up the playbook, I'm concerned there. Um, I don't know how you can't be about USC, speaking of them, just how they can't stop a nosebleed on defense. And I know we're going to talk about this game quite a bit, UCLA, Oregon State. The Pac-12 just continues to um, really uh, surprise, not because there's good teams in it, but so many good teams in it. Am I going to buy in on UCLA, how they looked in the second half over the weekend, this past weekend, and is Oregon State legit with – with Alungalale quarterback, I'm a little, I'm still not quite there yet. So I'm wondering now with all these conference head-to-head games in the Pac-12, are we going to really start to find out like who's any good and who isn't? We're going to find out who's good and who isn't. And we're also going to find out, I think, that a lot of these teams are good. But in a conference where so many teams are good right now, you know, they can't all make the Pac-12 title game. They can't all make the college football playoffs. So we're talking about all these teams that are worthy. And it would be a great year to have an expanded elite. 12-team fields that we could really see all of them in action um, with a chance to, to win something, but we won't. So these these regular season games, these last six weeks of the Pac-12 games are almost like a, a Pac-12 tournament because it's going to take a Washington or a USC or an Oregon, like one of them is going to have to run the table um, potentially or two 11-1 teams in that game 
um, and then playing with a chance to make the college football playoff. So it's, it's almost like we're in a, a playoff right now if you're in the Pac-12. Yeah, so Washington is the favorite of, of the Pac-12 teams. Washington is the highest team on the board to win the national title um, at 12 to one, Oregon 14 to one USC now down to 25 to one. So the concerns about their defense have certainly, we'll, we'll talk about USC later, but USC is not going to get to the PAC 12 title game. I don't think, which means they're not going to make the college football playoff. Lastly, NFL, we'll talk about this at length later on in the show. Um, Anthony Richardson to IR. I, I don't think we should be concerned. This Colts team is competing. I think they've done a Shane Steichen. I think can coach. Uh, they've they've got a guy in there. This, these these Eagles assistants, uh, what they're doing in Arizona. I know Arizona lost this past week to Cincinnati, but Arizona and Indy might the, the coaching tree in Philadelphia might be onto something in how they're doing with their new roles. And I can't believe it. We'll tease this, but you might be in on the Cowboys despite how they looked. On Sunday, you bet you bet San Francisco. You had the right side by a landslide over the weekend, but you like the bounce back spot. New week, new week, new bets. Okay, that's all coming up here on the show. Let's turn to our friend Johnny Avello, the director of the DraftKings Sportsbook. He sits down with Jules for odds are. You know the music. It can only mean one thing. Time for odds are with Johnny Avello, director of DraftKings Sportsbook. Johnny, how are we this week? Very well, thank you much. One quick note before we get going. We chopped up the podcast a little bit this week, so the majority recorded on Wednesday, October 11th. We're recording this interview on Thursday, October 12th. So if you hear anything that, uh, you know, Sounds a little bit different. That is the reason. But we will dive right into it. Nothing too crazy in terms of upsets in the NFL last week, Johnny, in week five. Although the Bears, large dogs, almost touchdown dogs at times on, on Thursday night football. They got their first one of the season. Niners dominate in pr- the primetime matchup over the Cowboys. What were some of the better results both for DraftKings Sportsbook and for the betters last week in NFL? We did start the NFL week positive with the Bears winning at the Commanders, and not many thought Washington would lose. As and that's uh, when when you look at the Survivor contest, uh, a lot were on Washington, so that burned up a lot of people's uh, entries this past week. Um, and all other games, although a terrible spot for them, Buffalo losing in London was our biggest revenue game last Sunday. Okay. That was also one, also one of the biggest handles. Uh, the isolated Cowboys at 49ers was the biggest handle. Uh, we also won on that. The betters won on many games, though, last week. Uh, Miami handling the Giants and uh, the Jets straight up win at Denver. They were our two biggest losses. And the betters also got the best of us with the Bengals at the cards. That seemed to be a very popular play last week. Yeah. Um, Eagles at Rams and Lions covering a big number over the Panthers were also good for the betters. All right, so two of the more uh, pathetic teams this season that at least had some expectations, the Broncos and the Patriots. I'm going to ask you a little bit different of a question here. Since we're getting into the groove a little bit in NFL, what goes into setting the number on teams that had, you know, moderate expectations? I think the Patriots went total open seven and a half, Denver eight and a half but have just been this awful as the, as the season goes on. You know, they're not, they weren't the worst two teams uh, and they're still not the two worst teams. They were in the middle of the pack from in the power rating from the beginning. Now both are in the bottom third. Uh, I would say that the Pat schedule has been a little tougher than the Broncos and it will continue to be. Uh, it's just all about adjustments for us, Jules. You know, it's, if teams aren't playing well, um, that's one thing. But if they've just kind of lost everything that we expected from them, then there's some just big adjustments to be made. So, yeah, uh, not a lot of hope for these two teams right now, you know, through five weeks. Both obviously set as underdogs uh, in week six as well. Um I want to ask you about the Jags because they are in one of the most unique spots I have seen betting the NFL. Most teams, you go to London, maybe you come for a week, you come back, maybe you have a bye, maybe you don't. This team, 
just played two straight games in London, won and covered both of them. Uh, that's almost their second home field at, at this point. They return home without a bye after the long trip to London, play a divisional game against the Colts. Their home favorites, which Trevor Lawrence, by the way, 0-5 against the spread as a home favorite in his career. And then not only that, they go on a short week after it to play the Saints on Thursday night football. This schedule is starting to look a little brutal coming up for the Jags. Does anything go into setting the numbers for the Colts game and then the Saints game when you consider this is the first time a team has done this? Uh, what's wrong with a two-week vacation in London? I mean, you know. <laughs> the fact that you got to come home and play the Colts, and you're going to be jet-lagged and hungover. <laughs> we opened them a six-point favorite at home this week uh, with the Colts not having Anthony Richardson, and the betters have knocked this down to four. For that Thursday night contest at New Orleans next week, you know, we put up that was look-ahead lines. Jags yep. uh, one-and-a-half was the opener. Now it's down to pick. So the betters are also thinking these are unique spots. Um, so, yeah, you know, it's sometimes the NFL does kind of throw this, uh, you know, this kind of schedule at you. You have to deal with it. But uh, it's for betters to pick up and see if there's something there that they that's advantageous to them. It's the Thursday one that's going to be the most sneaky. It's like when you don't get sleep one night, like the next night you're okay. But the following night, it all catches up to you. Keep that one in mind. Um, Niners, they have been, they're the Super Bowl favorites, but they keep, you know, exceeding the market week after week. Uh, how much more do you expect the number to move on them? Because look aheads, like they were three against the Browns. Some of it's the Watson news. Some of it's how badly they beat the Cowboys, but they just keep growing and, and dominating everybody. How, how out of control do you think the numbers on the Niners future wise and week to week could get? Yeah, I'm not taking anything away from them because they are a complete team and very well coached. But besides the Cowboy matchup, they've also played a, a pretty soft schedule and it kind of stays soft for the rest of the year. Um, this week's move on the Niners from two and a half to seven at the Browns. And you mentioned it mostly due to Deshaun Watson status, but I would say two of the points in that line are movement that are, you know, betters are just back and then once again, uh, they will stay on hot teams. They will stay on good teams. Uh, one lesson that you should learn about betting on football sometimes is if you bet good teams, you're probably going to win at least half of them and try to stay away from betting bad teams. This is a good football team. Samir, did you write that down? Samir loves betting bad teams. All right. <laughs> one more spot I'm going to pick out in particular before I open the rest of the board to you. I like this bounce back spot for the Cowboys on, on Monday night as short road favorites, it'll be a pro Dallas crowd in, in my opinion, but you, you know, both teams like to pass. You got the number two passing defense in Dallas yards per game against 32 in the chargers. I think that could be the difference in this one, but you mentioned you guys made money with betters losing on Dallas uh, last week. That was a profitable game for you. Are the Cowboys going to be public again, or do people have that game in the back of their mind? And you think they're going to back off this week? How are betters handling Monday night football? Uh, so far, they're thinking, as you say, with the line moving from one and a half to two, Dallas, and I expect higher. Uh, I don't know if this game reaches three, but two and a half is certainly evident. Uh, is it so much, you know, you mentioned Dallas as a public team, and prob probably in this spot, I would say that's true. And it's just impossible to make money on a Charger team. There's very few people I've ever spoke to that tell me they make money on Chargers. That's correct. Um, all right, I'm going to open up the rest of the, the week six board to you. Any Anything that we haven't mentioned yet in terms of uh, sides or totals that are taking significant uh, money over at TK Sportsbook? Yeah, uh, Falcons at home playing the Commanders. That went from one and a half to two and a half. Vikings open four and a half at Chicago. That's now down to two and a half. The Vikes were so fortunate in so many games last year, and this year everything is just going south for them. Yeah. Maybe teams going on shows like Netflix quarterbacks and hard knocks, maybe not such a good idea. You know, just saying that. Jules. Perhaps. Yeah. Other games receiving action. Uh, they like the Dolphins at home versus the winless Panthers and the Raiders at home versus the Pats. Uh, that's seeing some action. That thing is going to be probably three points by game time, it looks like. It's. Uh 
professionals will tell you that the Patriots plus three has to be the side. I I can't bet them right now. They, they'll probably come through, but I cannot bet them right now. The Patriots' offense has scored 16 points in the last three games. Opposing defenses have scored 21. Other teams are beating them without putting their offense on the field. We'll see how it looks against Josh McDaniels and the Raiders. It's been a tough go for a, for a you know Patriot fans who are so used to winning. Tough go. All right. With that, we're going to move over to the college side of things. Uh, last, we'll, we'll go to last week first. Uh, the usual question. Best results for you guys behind the book. Best results for the public. And also, what did Oklahoma beating Texas do to the market moving forward? Well, te- Texas-Oklahoma was the biggest bet game of the Saturday slate. And yep. it was a positive game for us. Uh, if you look at Texas uh, future book odds, they didn't drop too much. They're still under 20. No so, you know, this this thing is – it's still possible for them to get there, certainly – Winning the conference is, is, is imperative. Uh, <clears throat> Arizona at USC and Notre Dame surprising loss at Louisville. They were good house games. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alabama's winning cover at A&M along with LSU's cover at Missouri and Michigan's trouncing of Minnesota. Uh, they were excellent profit games for our clientele. There you go. Um Big college card again this week. I I, I like this card a lot. I want to focus in on two really big games. Oregon-Washington, top 10 matchup. The winner of that one could easily be in a driver's seat for a a Pac-12 title game and maybe a college football playoff spot. And USC-Notre Dame. How are betters handling uh, these two games, Johnny? Well, the Ducks-Huskies game has excellent two-way action with uh, a little more accent on Oregon right now. We opened Washington three, no movement, uh, you know, and I would expect Oregon's probably going to get a money line play there, uh, knowing how the network bets. Uh, in the USC ND contest, they're playing the Irish minus two and a half, and although we haven't moved the number, uh, you know, it's it's still Irish money because we've moved the ju- a little bit of juice. We're reluctant to go to three, although we may end up there. Um, Interesting enough, this total is being bet down from 62.5 to 60. So they yeah. must be thinking the ND defense has an answer for this prolific uh, SC offense. I don't know. Uh, but and Notre Dame could have won all their games so far and uh, could have. We say that every year, don't we, in, in football? Yep. Weather concerns maybe in that game a little bit. USC going on the road to face its toughest defense yet. I, I get that. The problem is – USC has no defense. What if Notre Dame uh, no. puts up a big number? So uh, can't interest me in the in the total there. But I watched. I don't know if you watched it last week, but I found the Arizona game very interesting last week with USC. I thought the 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 mistake that Arizona made was why not go for the two? Oh, yeah, get the score. You know, you're on the road. You're a 21 point dog. You really have to think about the one opportunity you have to slam the door so that so you can win a football game because. Going back and forth with the team, you're probably going to run out of outs. Agreed. When you're that big an underdog and you get one play to go for the win, you got some momentum, go for it. Especially against USC's defense. They don't have any. Um, all right. Rest of the Week 7 college football card. Uh, what are what are some sides that betters are getting in on? What's taking the most money? Uh, there's games where underdogs are seeing early play. Uh, Missouri at Kentucky, uh, that game – Kentucky opened up uh, three. It's down to two and a half. Uh, Syracuse opening up, getting 19 and a half at Florida State. That's now down to 17 and a half. And then Michigan's opener was 35 over Indiana, now down to 33. Um, in another Pac-12 matchup, Oregon State opened four and a half over UCLA. Now it's down to three and a half. Is this going to be one of those weeks where, you know, uh, we're shock. Is this is this shock week for us in uh, college football? We're kind of getting that feeling. We'll see. I took some Oregon State at four and a half and went back for more at three and a half. I talk about. I'll talk about it later on the podcast. But I like the spot. You got that UCLA team coming off the unranked ranked win as a home favorite. We saw them go to Utah, only come up with seven points. You know what happens when teams go to Oregon State uh, for a tough night road game. 
I, I like that spot. Give me the public money on the dog. I will go the other way. Um, we're going to change gears a couple more times for, for some final questions. Last time we spoke, the wild card games had ended. They were all two-game sweeps. It was kind of a boring round. How have the divisional rounds been? Because it's been more, you know, you got two more wild card teams sweeping heavyweights. Orioles win 100 games, swept for the first time since 2022. Dodgers win a million games as always, bow out as pathetically as ever in the postseason to the Diamondbacks. Um, the only one we we still have left going as, as we record, which could be done by the time you listen to this, is Atlanta and Philly. How's this round been going, and and what do you think of the dominance of these wild card teams? Could that affect pricing in in the future, given how this experiment has started for MLB? Well, no complaints from us from a bookmaking perspective. As the teams that played so well during the regular season, yeah. they they just stop hitting. Knock out uh, a lot of World Series futures for you too, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, we still have a hazard on the Astros, a big hazard. So, uh, yeah, a massive now, the two teams that tied for the AL West Division find themselves playing in the ALCS, and that should be very entertaining. Mm-hmm. Uh, these, these two teams are not crazy about each other, and they, you know, they, Texas probably should have won this uh, division, but kind of fell apart in the last couple of games. I find it strange how um, teams that weren't playing so well at the end, you know, the last week or so are playing so well now, and I'm not surprised with the Orioles, Jules. I mean, you know, you go back and say for haven't been swept in a series, but go back prior to 2022, they probably were swept more than they weren't swept. So it's yes. it was a it was a team that got into uh, the playoffs without experience, and and that really showed here. All right, wrapping it up. We're probably uh, not many betters focusing on this yet, but I'm getting ready for some college basketball content. Um, what is the most popular bet to win it all right now on on DK Sportsbook? I got my eyes on Kansas and Michigan State. I assume they're both going to be up there. Yep. Uh, since the favorites Duke at eleven to one, that shows you how wide open it is to the start yep. of the season. Uh, Kentucky, Michigan State, UConn—they're all taking some money, but I can't say they're loading up on any one or two teams. Uh, I love it when we have a board that looks like this. And it just yep. shows me, and I'm looking forward to the college basketball season starting. I would say to some of the betters out there, good opportunity right now to take advantage of something maybe you're seeing that we're not, because there's some pretty lucrative odds out there right now. It's early, a lot of long odds. And I like the long odds on, on some of these conferences as well that I'll probably get involved in, but we will save those ones for another day. Johnny, thank you for the time, as always, here on Odds Are on Unreasonable Odds. You are so welcome. Have a fine week. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now joining us on Unreasonable Odds, presented by DraftKings, we have Corby Craig of Keep Betting. You can find him on the Twitter machine at KeepBettingCO. Corby, friend of the show. I know it's our first time chatting. You've been with Jules before. Thanks for stopping by. How are things going? Yeah, of course, always fun. It's uh, it's getting to that time of the football season and and getting close to basketball at this point. I'm sure I'll be back with Julian to talk basketball at some point, which is yeah. always fun. Uh, but for now, college football, the meat grinder that is college football, we're we're finally getting into the uh, to like the, the heart. I know we're going to talk about some of the of the really big games, so it's always exciting. And maybe we'll get some of the uh, the ones that are not as fun. Yeah, I know you've got a couple of those, uh, including one in the uh, in the pet. Well, come come you you know it. You you giggled. You you know what I'm getting at. But uh, just curious, you know, for our audience, what for you at this point in the year or into week seven? What are some of your priorities now with the data that you have from this season? Just what are some things that you keep at the top of mind when you're looking at spots to possibly bet? Yeah, the two easiest, and I think I've talked about this a million times with Julian, is like the two biggest piece of information you use in any betting aspect is first injuries. Um, in college sports, it's a lot easier to beat market to injuries. If you 
If you want to follow Colorado State's beat writers to a T, you can usually get information faster than Market can. Uh, there's one tonight, which will be before tomorrow and, and won't help anybody on the show, so we won't talk about it. But there, there are spots that you can beat um, the market with injuries. So that's a massive game of uh, cat and mouse. Also, tempo ratings. So uh, your priors from 2022 are starting to get pushed away, uh, and you're seeing these teams' true colors. Like a lot of teams early in the season or a lot of numbers thought that Texas State would be really fast. And uh, I think that they've proven that they are fast, but they're not as fast as we thought they would be within Carson mm-hmm. Ward's coaching staff and entire team basically coming over. So things like that, we're seeing teams slow down. We're seeing teams that have traditionally played slow speed up. Old Dominion um, looks like a slow team, but don't think that they really care to play slow. So injuries, tempo, I think are the two biggest things that uh, you can take away right now. Okay. Yeah, especially with the the adjustments now to the, the new clock rules. Uh, maybe some teams have caught up to that and whichever direction that may go in, um, something to monitor. So let's let's hop in on some games, some spots you have. We'll mix and match with Jules too. He's got looks. But Utah is a team you're targeting uh, coming off the bye. They played Oregon State on a Friday night a few weeks back. Oregon State really controlled that game start to finish. No cam rising. Uh, where are you at with Utah now this week against Cal? Yeah, it would be really cool to be able to come on the show and be like, hey, Cam Rising's coming back. He's good to go. Unfortunately, I can't do that. Uh, the issue here is Cam Rising, I, I think we've all seen videos at this point. He's been practicing. Like he is yeah, he is Cam Rising. It's the issue is just like there's some kind of hold that they're not letting him come in. So as much as I want to take this and be like, oh, Cam Rising's coming back, I have no clue. Obviously, nobody has any clue. I do think he's healthy enough to play, but will he play in this game? Um, I think it would make a lot of sense for him to play, get, get some reps in before they see USC next week off of a bye week. So there's that little silver lining, uh, but I'm not playing this because of that. I think that this is a really good Utah team. We saw Florida come to Utah uh, at the time. Nate Johnson was like uh, had seen literally no reps. He didn't even get to start in that game. Now it seems like he's not flourished, but he's at least gotten reps in versus really good teams. This Cal defense, I don't know if you have watched Cal, is not a good defense. I have them rated the sixth worst passing defense in the nation. I bet DJU passing yards over versus them last, or I think it was last week. And now this Utah team, Nate Johnson, not great, but I do think that he can absolutely annihilate a Cal defense who is not good and can Cal score. We saw Auburn hold Cal to 14 or to 10, actually. So I don't think Cal scores. I don't think they could stop a fly if they wanted to. Um, and, And Utah at home, great home field advantage under two touchdowns. Give me 13 and a half all day there. Fifth, yeah, 50 plus to Washington, 50 plus to both 50 plus to Oregon State. Both teams are coming off games against Oregon State. Jules, I know you'll get to Oregon State in their spot this week, but any thoughts on what Corby has here on Utah? I like the I mean, I'm not gonna bet against Utah in general at home, um, especially with what they've been doing on defense this year. And then I, I just like the almost bet within the bet which is betting on Ryzen potentially playing and this really jacking up because it's weird what's going on, whatever's going on. Um, But if you had a spot in mind to play after knowing you were going to hold him out for this long, it would be at home in a cushy spot coming out of a bye and not against, uh, although the defense doesn't give much resistance, a USC. Um, But like Cal is the perfect defense to ramp yourself up for a USC. So, there's a lot of reasons that without knowing anything, like Corby said, you can kind of talk yourself into this being the spot for rising. So maybe you get a, a fortunate surprise here and you're, you're three, four points ahead of the market or whatever. What about your other spot, Corby? You're going to the, the American. And I'm, I'm a little concerned about one of the teams that you have in this particular play for a total. Yeah. So I, um, this is uh, people who have seen me do podcasts with Julian before they, this is what they know me for is the uh, the games that nobody wants to bet on. So I took the this, SMU. This is, Ma- this is math and the pace that he was talking about off the top. Yeah. Yeah. So the, let, simply, let, let, let Corby give his analysis. I'm just explaining it in the terms that people who have seen the podcast. That's all it is. Funny how that works. Go ahead, Corby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you're good. The, so SMU, uh, I want the SMU over 50, 49 and a half, 50. I think it, we saw 51 at some point. I had this at 57. So plenty fine with any of those numbers. Uh, and, and a lot of people would shun me for saying that I had this number seven and a half points off market. I don't care. Um, if we, if either of you have ever watched SMU play football, you're aware they want to run the ball very fast. They want a high pace, 45 passes a game. Um, and, and we see this East Carolina team and we think they don't want to do that. But who have they played? They've played a Michigan team who you can't do that against. Uh, they played an App State team who 
It's kind of fast, but has a really good defense. They played Rice that was banged up on offense. So we've seen a whole bunch of issues where they just couldn't get momentum going. In that Rice game, they threw the ball 45 times. I think they want to kind of make this a shootout. And SMU will never stop anybody from making this a shootout. So getting under 52, which is one of the most important numbers in college sports, I will gladly take this over 50. I think we got 50 for the uh, for the podcast. But um, I like SMU to clean it up. I really like this team overall. And I don't think East Carolina has much resistance. Also, I think they want to play a lot faster than we, we're giving them credit for. So give me an over 50 here. I have no thoughts there, Glash, to answer <laughs> your question other than put trust in the numbers. But what I'm what I what I was saying is it's not like it, he tees it up as, you know, this is a play that nobody is thinking of betting or whatever, but it's not like he pulled it out of a hat. Like it's just numbers showing the edge there. That's yeah. No, cool and you and I think <laughs> No, and it speaks to your point about pace, because my follow up was going to be, well, how does East Carolina get there? But Yeah, know, for sure. And, and that's that's definitely the worry. Like, uh, you always stress that, like, East Carolina. So, uh, the biggest thing for me in college sports happens a ton is what happens if a team gets up a lot and it'll completely yeah. change your pace. Like, what if you, your Texas State, uh, I know this because I lost an under from it the other day, but like, Texas State opening return kickoff touchdown, very next play, pick six. So now it's, it's 14 nothing. And Southern Miss now has to play run and gun because they're down 14 nothing in, in, in literally 27 seconds. Um, and it changes the pace. So, does SMU get up fast early? I think we can all agree, probably yes. And then what does East Carolina do? And they've shown that they have the ability to throw the ball. So the hope is they try. I give them 22 points. So um, I, this is kind of SMU scoring most, but I do think that East Carolina can do at least something here. Okay, that's a look for Thursday night uh, for those of you uh, tuning in. Um, what about your last one? You're going to the Big Ten, another overplay. Yeah, this one's way worse. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. At least the SMU <laughs> game. The SMU game you can buy. Okay, like I've seen SMU. They like playing fast. Not this one. This is Iowa. This is Wisconsin. Give me the over 36. The most important two numbers uh, and key numbers in the 30s is 37 and 38. You see a lot of games in there, and then it's 34. So does this game in basically 24-10? I don't think so. Does it in 24-13? 24-13 is still a win to this bet. Iowa. Uh, we know McNamara got hurt, and we saw Deacon Hill come in the other day. If y'all watched that game, he threw the ball pretty decent. He, he had nine completions, nine for 20, and that looks miserable on paper. But, like, it hit the receiver in the face mask three separate times on drop passes. I thought he threw decent against Michigan State in that Saturday night game, too, and his receivers had six drops in that yeah, game. Yeah, so I, I think this is more of a repetition thing. Like, obviously, the receivers haven't gotten enough reps um, and now they've had it in game for an entire game. So I, I think this Iowa team, they realize like, it's just like Iowa state recently. Like they realize, Hey, if we want to win football games, we have to score. Also, I'm not buying this Iowa defense. Like we, we, I see power ratings with them second best defense in the nation. And then I watch and it's just like, I mean, they got after Hudson card and Purdue. Cool. But the receivers were open. Uh, and, and I think that um, Wisconsin has enough pieces. They want to throw the ball. They got SMU's old quarterback, so they're chunking it. I think they threw like 55 passes versus um, Buffalo. So they want to throw the ball 36 and a half, 36. Anything under a 37, 38, two biggest numbers in football uh, at that low of a number, by all means, I, I will take this over and, and absolutely hate it and probably not watch the game for one second. All right. It's, it's so low, uh, you know, I don't hate it. And I don't mind Wisconsin's offense. So, also Wisconsin got absolutely toasted up by uh, Washington State. So it's Correct. like, and Washington State, don't get me wrong, very good. Cam Ward, very enticing. But like, I mean, they got they got burnt. I wouldn't give Wisconsin any like high hopes for their defense. And they they moved the ball two games ago. They moved the ball okay against Purdue. I thought too. Um, only scored seventeen points, but. If you want, I, I think that was a Friday night game, if I remember correctly. So that was a game I had my eyes on, and they they look competent um, in that spot. So um, I'm sorry, they held Purdue to 17. I might have that backwards. I apologize. Um, they do look more competent. Like, it, it makes sense. Like you bring a new quarterback into a system that he's never played. The more games you get, the better you're going to get. Uh, Mordecai is slowly finding his own. He threw two interceptions for Buffalo. He obviously wasn't comfortable, but. Um, he's finding it now that the season's progressing. I think this would be a really big win for a Wisconsin team who a lot of people had upside to. So um, I think it's a good spot for Wisconsin to at least try to score. I Again, I don't buy Iowa's. Hey, where are these, where are these um, 
hard-nosed kids who play good defense. I, I've watched, and I, I'm just not buying it that much. So uh, I like this over a lot. Yes, it was 38-17. Yeah, Wisconsin. That was the best they looked, I think, uh, you know, in conference play uh, to this point. Okay, uh, Jules, you're, you're on some more uh, games of the bigger spotlight. And then, Corby, please feel free to, to weigh in. Washington, Oregon, this might be. Uh, USC, Notre Dame will have a lot of public attention as well. But this might be the game of the weekend, considering Michael Penix Jr. is now the Heisman favorite. Uh, he was 16-1 to coming into the year. Now he's the favorite, taking on this Oregon defense. Washington laying three on Saturday afternoon. Yeah, no, this is the game of the week. Um, Notre Dame and USC aren't making the college football playoff. And I know USC hasn't lost yet, but I'll tease the Notre Dame bet. I think they do this week. And even if they don't, they have a very losable stretch coming up in the Pac-12. Um, this is the game of the week, no doubt. Whoever wins this game is going to be in the driver's seat potentially to make the Pac-12 title game and potentially make the college football playoff. Um, because somebody from the Pac-12 has to go. I hope they don't cannibalize themselves to the point that we don't see the best team in the Pac-12 in because it's such a good conference. That said, um, I, I did get this at two and a half. I It's three, like minus one of two, I think, on DraftKings. So I would I would try and find it at, at, at two and a half throughout the course of the week because I think that the Oregon money is going to come in at times, particularly at three. It's been getting hit back to two and a half a lot. Or if the money line gets to the 140 range, which it has at times, 140 money line, I'm, I'm fine with. But uh, Washington went on the road and, and won this game 37-34 last year in Oregon. Yeah. Um, both of the teams are obviously off to really good starts. We, there's only one real game that I think has maybe shown me something so far. Oregon played a tough road game, and that was at Texas Tech. They covered, but... The Texas Tech had the ball in hand driving to win the game, and they threw, uh, was it a pick six or a fumble six, whatever it was, it was ridiculous, got the back door for Oregon and and made the final score look a little different than it was. Oregon struggled to win that game and was down double digits in that game. This is going to be an even more difficult road atmosphere against Washington. Um, Quarterback-wise, who do I trust more? I trust Penix more than, than Nick's. And, uh, you know, maybe Oregon's got a little bit better of a defense, but Washington hasn't been bad. Um, I think there's a lot of small edges to Washington here, but you put them all together and that's enough to, to play Washington for me. You got anything, Corby? No, Corby. Yeah, I made this four, so I, I tend to agree. Uh, the issue is it's going to be such a high variance game. Like we have a, we have a lot of people who can, who can make really big plays on the field. Uh, that is as no surprise. I think the biggest take from this game is going to be the ability to cannibalize. Like um, I, I worry that Penix can hold Heisman futures through all of the games that they're about to have to play. Bo Nix again. I mean, unless this game does go over the total significantly, this is a tough game for both these guys. So um, yeah. I, I think that the top of that is going to eat itself alive. I had a um, Tyler Van Dyke Heisman future that I felt really good on until uh, the last game, which was just ridiculous. But no, for this game, I, I would lean towards an under. And then we see two explosive quarterbacks. We see a tough environment, and we just expect like uh, Penix and Bo Nix takes over and, and does what they want to do. But uh, I mean, these both these defenses look good. Washington's had struggles. Like they they. Gave 32 to Cal, but at the same time, they were up 30. Like, they don't uh, – like, <laughs> you're just playing the game to get home at that point. You're trying to get Penix some more reps. And and this Oregon team Arizona, shut down. Arizona, they had complete control, allowed a late yeah. – uh, they allowed a, a last drive touchdown. Um, yeah. Games have definitely looked closer than they were. And then, like, Oregon, I mean, six to Stanford, who – we can make fun of Stanford, but pretty fast-paced team. Six to Colorado in a game. They had 30 yards in the fourth quarter. Uh, heading into the fourth quarter, again, just – Kind of didn't care. So uh, I think these defenses are a lot better than people give them credit for. Um, an under 67 and a half would be my lean. I, I would bet an under at 69, uh, but for here, just a, just a hard lean. Not as marquee of a matchup. South Carolina, Florida, Jules, you like the uh, Gamecocks. Yeah, this one reminds me a little bit of my Kentucky Moneyline play a couple of weeks ago um, when they hosted Florida. And this is, for the most part, just a fade of Florida away from from the Swamp. Um, they've been really good at Swamp the last, I mean, in general they are, but just, you know, since the coaching change the last couple of years, they win at home, 
lose on the road. They're they're not the same team. Um, they got a good home win over Tennessee, who I think is overrated, but that was a great spot. Um, two times they've gone on the road. I'm not saying Utah and Kentucky are bad, but they've lost by a combined 32 points. South Carolina is very tested. You open the season UNC. You go to Georgia and battle them for a half, three quarters, yeah. before you kind of come predictably come undone. Um, battle a little bit with Tennessee. Backbreaking pick six by uh, Spencer Rattler kind of made that game more difficult on them. Those were all games away from home against really good competition that they were like in it until the fourth quarter. Uh, so now this is your first big home game. You, you got an SEC win at home over over Mississippi State, but first big home game here. And, uh, you know, I, I trust South Carolina to come ready, and I, I don't trust this Florida team in particular away from the swamp. So getting like a minus 130 money line here, uh, that is South Carolina for me. On to uh, this this one. I think Corby's got thoughts on this. Kentucky. So speaking yeah. of Kentucky, a team you had mentioned as it pertains to Florida, Kentucky – Really, I don't think it's really surprised anybody. They they got blasted by Georgia. Uh, really, a get right. It was more about Georgia than it was about Kentucky. I think that game, and um, you could have got Georgia. I think at one point it was minus fourteen. It got above the two touchdown number. You got Kentucky now. I guess at a bounce back spot here against Missouri that had that game won against LSU and freaking Julian got away with another LSU that team. I mean that stupid LSU Third team. One. Say again? I deserved one. Oh, you deserve, oh, year, with so. them, I good guess. Beat, but you're fading Missouri, and Cor- I don't think Corby's a big fan of that. <clears throat> yeah, so we'll have some healthy debate now instead of aligning on things. I, I played Kentucky Moneyline here. Um, again, they're at home. They've been solid at home, and Missouri's had a solid season. But I don't know exactly what Missouri has shown us. So I'm going to make them prove to me that they can win a game like this on, on the road. They were home last week, should have covered against LSU, didn't. Um, that's a big game they got up for. Uh, all their wins are at home. I, ba- I backed them against Kansas State. They got there. Kansas State's probably a team that was overrated at the time. Um, the Tigers have only gone on the road once, and it was against the the SEC doormat of, of Vanderbilt. So – Prove something to me on the road against a team that has been pretty solid at home. Maybe they're in a bounce back spot against against Georgia or have something to prove after the Georgia game. Although, like you said, that's more about Georgia in in all of our minds, I think. Um, but yeah, I, I think that Kentucky is is the better team, and this isn't priced that way necessarily. If it were a a neutral or you know, but even if they are closer to similar teams. Missouri has not gotten a road test yet, and this is going to be their first one, so I'll go against him here. Corby, I love Ray Davis. I think the way he performed against Florida was eye-popping. Again, as Julian said, as I said, I think it was about Georgia last week, but you're concerned, I think, about Kentucky and how legit they might be against Missouri. You're high on the Tigers. You're high on Missouri. Yeah, it's been interesting. I... I... I had Missouri like uh, 40th in the nation coming into almost two weeks ago. I think uh, basically everybody would be in the consensus that like hey, Missouri's good. Don't get me wrong, but like they're not this team. You should be really worried about. And I, I watched film for that LSU game because I was supposed to bet LSU and also bet the under, which I, I laid off after watching film. And let me just say, I, I think in college sports there's a lot more wiggle room on how good these players are. Uh, NFL, you, you you know who you're getting. Brady Cook has really impressed me. Um, and I am not a guy that liked Brady Cook last year at all. If you go watch film, um, I can't remember who he's playing, but uh, granted, it helps a lot. He has the best receiver I have watched in a really long time in Luther Burden. But Brady Cook, it's not about the receiver. It's about trust. And like, he will throw the ball three steps before a break even happens. Like uh, There's a play. He threw Luther Burden a, a basically front pylon in the end zone pass. Before Burden was even past his like, he hadn't even made a move yet. And he was just like, I know that you will beat the guy there, and I, I trust you enough to do that. So I'm just going to put it in the spot that eventually you will be at. And if you get it, by all means. And uh, it seems like every time Burden does 11 receptions, 150 yards in that LSU game, just insane to see like that kind of trust. And then the question becomes, can Kentucky break that up? I don't think that they have the corners to do it. Also, Devin Leary, 10 completions in his last two games apiece. I don't know if they have the explosiveness on offense to keep up if Brady Cook is doing his thing. Granted, if they don't look as good as they have, 
Kentucky has such a consistent running game that um, they probably win this game. I make Kentucky a one-point favorite. Uh, I think if this is played to for Kentucky to win, it goes under. And if this is played for Missouri to win, uh, it goes over. So that would be where I would lean is looking towards the totals. Uh, but overall, I think that Luther Burden has another field day. So I would look towards player props for him. Did you say, did you say if you had to lean total, you'd say under? If Kentucky wins under the total, uh, that means they're having to run the ball significantly. I made this total 50.9, so uh, right at 52, which is what it's at. Yeah. So both of these run defenses are pretty good above average. Yeah, I I think the the biggest worry with Kentucky is like I really hate any team that's just so two-dimensional. Granted, they have – Devin Leary, they they can they have the ability to throw the ball, but they really it just doesn't seem like they care to. Like they beat Florida throwing 19 passes, so it's like if they don't have to throw, they're not going to throw. And I think that if you get in any shootout and that's your mentality, then uh, you get into quite the issue. And I think Missouri is much more comparable towards shootouts than we give them credit for. So <clears throat> the only one thing that I'll say about like the trust factor, quarterback wide receiver relationship is that five of the six games have been at home and the one road game was Vandy and nobody goes. So like if there's a game where that relationship gets tested and now you're dealing with crowd noise, this is where maybe some of those, Oh, I'm going to throw it three steps ahead. And now he's not there. No, what happened? And it's getting loud. And like, this is one of those things where we'll see if that is, can legit hold up in this type of environment. If um, they're that good and that, you know, intertwined or if there's a couple of hiccups. Yeah, I agree. I think that the Kansas State game was a really good game um, to see that, but also he got hurt in that game. So uh, he had a yeah. knee knee sprain, I think. So uh, they kind of get didn't get to do it. So I, I do agree. I, I haven't bet this game. I think it's a really good spot to learn a lot about Missouri. But the issue is, if I'm right, and you do learn a lot about Missouri, it's priced in the market <laughs> next week. And if I'm wrong, right. then you have a good bet and nobody cares and we're, and we're happy. So uh, I think it'll be an interesting game. Tough to stay ahead of the market. All right, let's hit on these last two, and then yep. we'll uh, we'll get Corby out of here. Notre Dame, USC. This game's in South Bend. Notre Dame, a short favorite. Another short favorite for Julian. So I issued my concerns, mm-hmm. Corby, to Julian about Notre Dame, but I say all that. Lincoln Riley, a lot of coach speak about the lack of performance by his defense. I feel more confident across the board. I'm with Julian on this. I like Notre Dame more and where they're going. Than I do about USC defensively. I know Caleb Williams was great. They had to, that was just a pathetic performance defensively against Arizona. I guess you got to give them some credit for how they schemed it. But Julian, what's your handicap on taking the Irish and fading uh, USC despite the fact they are undefeated? Yeah, so I have the most to say about this game, but I'm going to do it as quickly as possible. I thought I would be, like preseason, I thought I would be on USC in this game. And it slowly keeps coming, coming this way. And now I'm on Notre Dame. It's flipped. Um, so the major part of the handicap is the one that we all know. I'm putting the most of the weight on the fact that USC is abysmal on defense. The 41 against Arizona, the 28 against Arizona State, the 41 to Colorado, like the defense just isn't good. And now you're going on the rain Saturday night, uh, on the road, in the rain, in the wind, Saturday night primetime, Notre Dame, um, in a game USC won last year. So a little bit of a revenge spot. Mm-hmm. The It's a weird spot for Notre Dame, which I'll admit. They should have beat Ohio State, and then they didn't. And then they should have gone on the road and lost to Duke, but they won. And then it all catches up to them, and they come completely flat at Louisville. But now they're home from the two-game road trip in kind of a rebound spot. Um, so for for me, what uh, you know, what I'm considering the most is that this is going to be uh, not USC weather in a road atmosphere against the best defense they've seen yet. And what I'm most confident in is probably Notre Dame's ability to score um, with Hartman, with the run game against this USC defense. So I think Notre Dame's going to score. I think Notre Dame can limit a little bit. They have great corners, which at, they're not going to stop USC, but that can help slow particularly in this environment. So I think that that all just kind of snowballs up into this ultimately being a Notre Dame spot. And the fact that everybody's saying, oh, wow, USC's an underdog in this game always is a nice little push over the edge. You think under at all, possibly? 60 and a half? 
Corby, you got anything to add? Yeah. So yeah, I I uh, that, I'm glad you brought that up. I exactly what I was thinking was an under. The issue is I needed this to be at 63, crossing 61 and 62, really big numbers. College football. I was really surprised it opened up as low as it did. This just seems like a spot where people would love the idea of a USC over. Uh, I, I agree. Notre Dame. The issue with Notre Dame is uh, they have played a really tough strength of schedule as of late. So I would not be surprised if they're. I mean, absolutely dead for good reason. They played. Uh, a lot of tough games. USC, if you are curious, I make 61st best defense in football, which is just insane to think about. Teams that are better. Let me see the teams that are better than USC on defense most. Um, and, and so it's just like this team time and time again continues to do it with offense. But I think if you watch their offense, like Caleb Williams is having to make just like NCAA 2014 type plays. I I used to do this with my player. And so uh, I, I worry a lot that he can continue to do that versus any kind of team with, with competent talent. On the other side, Sam Hart, oh, first off to Julian's defense, I, I made this five. So I do completely agree uh, with Notre right. Dame here. Um, but my issue is Sam Hartman holds the ball longer than any quarterback I've ever seen hold the ball. Can USC put him in any trouble? I don't think so, but I do think for in the future case, like if they were to make some kind of primetime bowl game uh, versus a team with any kind of rush defense, like if, I think if Notre Dame played Alabama, they would not score points at all. Uh, yeah. Sam Hartman just too slow on his feet. Like he he has to let plays develop for like five, six seconds, and um, I think it really hurts them. At some point, is it USC? Probably not. The defensive line couldn't touch me if I was out there, so uh, I'm not too worried in this spot here. I also should have included I don't like Notre Dame overall That's i know I, I was kind of like i'm not a notre dame guy but like i have to bet them in this spot okay let's wrap oregon state uh we talked about them earlier because of the competition okay. for both uh washington and i can't remember who else that we were talking about oh in utah in um utah. there we go yep so dj and oregon state i i liked ucla last week but i'm not sure i'm not sold that their second half against um, their second half uh, against Washington State proves all that much to me. So why do you like Oregon State, Jules? So I had this one kind of like circled in advance, just like the last time I had Oregon State circled in advance, hoping everything worked out perfectly and took Oregon State in that Friday night game against Utah. And it went as planned. Now, this time, Oregon State's been doing nothing but but going about business since then. They have the one road loss to to Washington State. But UCLA, the sharp, unranked home favorite against a ranked team in Washington State again, comes through, gets the win in the cover last week. Now they've got a little number next to their name, so this should be that magically makes this supposedly a, a closer game than it would have been if it was a week ago or whatever. So UCLA, feeling good about themselves, goes on the road. Corvallis, really difficult place to win. I think that just like... UCLA's road trip to Utah when they only got seven points. I think this is kind of a similar spot. Um, so I think the the Oregon State defense that we saw play so well against Utah shows up in this night game, slow UCLA down a lot. And I like what they're they're able to do offensively. Um, so down at three and a half, I will take the the Beavers in another primetime night game. Anything to add, Corby, before we let you go? Yeah, I was uh, so the weather looks like it's going to rain pretty bad. And at first, you think, okay, DJU, an Oregon State team, uh, that's going to hurt him a lot because I mean they got to be able to throw the ball. I was really surprised to watch film; they don't throw the ball as much as I thought that they would. They run the nope. ball significantly. I mean, like DJU and, they, and Moore almost have the same amount of passing. To, uh, they get the ball to Bolden a lot on the, yeah. the speedy receiver on the ground on screens. Like more of that yeah, so, is fine with me. I think I think weather inclined, I, this would help an Oregon State team a lot more. Uh, UCLA continuing to have to go to like tough road spots to play with a freshman quarterback. Uh, it's just been tough. Like uh, go to Utah, yeah. go go to Oregon State. Like, I don't know. Is he is he seasoned yet? I don't think so. I lean towards Oregon State. I think it's a pretty good spot. Um, I I like the over in this game, and I think weather's going to push it back down. If this gets to, like a fifty-two, I'm not too worried about the rain. Like as we talked about, uh, Oregon State. Doesn't really care too much about the rain. They're going to run really short slips or, or run the ball. Uh, and UCLA, you have to worry about scoring. So uh, I, I think at 52, this is a really good over here. Yeah, and I think, you know, Moore had a couple of interceptions last time out too. Like, you know, we got to 290 yards passing in that game uh, against Washington State. But, yeah, I think the 
He's got some promise, but a, a lot of work to be done for Dante Moore at quarterback for UCLA. Corby Craig of Keep Betting. You can find his work uh, on the Twitter X at Keep Betting CO. Corby, thanks for stopping by. I'm Reasonable Odds once again. Thanks for, uh, thanks for coming on. Yeah, appreciate you having me. Our thanks to Corby Craig, as well as Johnny Avello, our guests on this week's episode of Unreasonable Odds. We dive in. Myself, Jules, we'll get Samir's thoughts as well. He's got a best bet. Samir's feeling good about himself after the Tua alternate yards over last week. So I'm looking forward to Samir's pick at the end of the show. We'll get to best bets momentarily. Jules, looking at the NFL card Thursday night, uh, our pod's out Thursday, so you want to actually get a pick out for the Thursday night game um, as it pertains to the Chiefs running game division matchup Chiefs hosting the Denver Broncos yeah real quick I put this one out in my Thursday uh, night football best bets article it's in my week six NFL best bets article I have Isaiah Pacheco at over 71 and a half rushing yards it is up to 74 and a half as we record um I'm I'm good with it like this is the running rushing defense to to go against the Broncos ranked dead last in the league by a literal uh, mile um they've they had that game against the Dolphins they just gave up the big game to Brees Hall and the Jets um I'm pulling up the numbers right now just to to rip through them but uh Mostert a few weeks back Echo's got the 15 to 20 carries uh, in each of his last three, he's playing about 60% of the snaps, but he's playing pretty much all the running uh, plays. Unless this gets like deep blowout, then Edward Solaire could take some, which, yes, we might get into that range. But it, the Broncos are giving up 251.7 per game on the ground over the Holy last three games. crap. Yeah. Um, road games this year, 260 and a half rushing, given up. So Pacheco's only gone over this once. He had the 20 carries for 115 and one touchdown against the Jets. Another poor run defense. So that kind of adds us up here. But he, he's been close in other games, just given how bad this matchup is or how good this matchup is for Kansas City and how bad Denver's run defense has been. Um, you know, this is one if you want to throw together like a same game parlay of Pacheco, 100 rushing, a touchdown, Chiefs win. This has that type of feel to it. I was a little confused what the Chiefs were doing week one when it was Pacheco, it was Clyde Edwards, Elaire. We know that they'll use McKinnon in the passing game, but I think like a lot of good teams, they can use the first couple of weeks as an extension of the preseason. I mean, we're based in Boston. We heard we heard that for twenty years. Um, but still, it's been still the preseason here. Yeah, exactly, right? It's Pacheco's backfield. I would also add, I bring that up because short short week for Kansas City. This reeks of like a double-digit home favorite. Worst run defense in the league. Your best pass catcher, Travis Kelsey, is dinged up. Bingo. Is that what you were going to say? I stole I your thunder. I was going to say that. Kelsey being banged up. You know, this might be a, let's, let's scheme up. Let's, let's, let's have Pacheco have a day and You couldn't get the ask hell out of here. for a better spot for a, a running back over thousand percent totally agree i think it's a good look obviously I'd prefer the shorter number you got but yeah i think you want to get that asap because i think by kickoff that could get closer to um that could get closer to 80 yards um based on where it is right now. okay well what else do you have uh circled uh for this week week six so i did play colts at plus four and a half I know that this uh, may come up later in the show, so I'm not going to share any analysis other than this is an unheard of spot. Teams generally go to London and come back and take a bye. The Jags just played two weeks in a row, first time ever, in London, and come back with no bye, and they want to play a division game. So, like, I'm not even really getting into anything else. Trevor Lawrence is 0-5 against the spread as a home favorite. He's a home favorite. I, there's just nothing that points to Jacksonville in this game, and none of it has to do with like what we've seen on the football field. It's all the spot. Um, as we've been recording this, we found out Deshaun Watson didn't practice on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. I play the Niners minus three as the, the look-ahead, as I've been doing every week almost playing the Niners on the look-ahead. 
I played him again earlier in the week at minus four and a half. Those are all in my best bets article. Honestly, I'm fine with it at six and a half. If Watson plays dinged up or it's DTR, I, I don't care. It's a air quotes bad spot for the Niners coming off the big primetime blowout of the Cowboys and then going East Coast on the road facing good defense. I don't care. The Niners are a buzzsaw right now. And the the Browns won't be able to move the ball, I don't think. Um, so I'm good with the Niners in any which way. If you want to use them as a teaser leg this week, you got them as a teaser leg now. Uh, it's incredible, too, how the Niners, they're also just, without having to, they've got their weapons on like a pitch count. Like Debo Samuel didn't even have to do much as they built that lead. Kittle, even Kittle. I know Kittle caught the touchdowns, but other than the touchdowns, it was all Brandon Ayuk and their their run game. So, yep. um, and they had short fields because Dallas was inept. And speaking of Dallas, you like the Cowboys Monday night? Cowboys, Cowboys minus one thirty money line Monday night oh. football. I'll take him in a bounce back spot. Um, look, like the, this team got beat on the road by a team that I think is much better than them. Now they're going to play a team that I think is is worse than them who doesn't have a home field advantage. The LA crowd should be a Dallas crowd. I know the chargers are off a bye and get Eckler back. I, I kind of think buys this early in the year, a disadvantage, like you're still trying to build momentum and you want your buy later in the season to get healthy. I know this gets you Eckler back, but like I'd rather be building momentum now and get my rest in, in November or whatever. But, I kind of, but I like the Kellen Moore kind of revenge spot on the Cowboys. Sure. So you, play you calling. Have... Oh, Mike McCarthy, you're going to do the play calling now, which has not gone well. I no. mean, Brandon Staley's not a great coach either. So the coaching, the coaching's a wash in this game, but I, I love the Kellen Moore angle on this too, as a narrative. Yeah. I, I have the coaching as a wash. There, there's a little bit of a narrative here, but the, this is like, strength on strength on one side and strength on weakness on on the other. Both of these teams want to throw the ball. Um, you know, they have, they have solid run games, but both want to throw the ball. Pass catching backs, though. Eckler, Pollard. Yep. yep. So, but only one of them has a good pass defense. The Cowboys rank second in the NFL in passing yards allowed. The Chargers rank dead last. They allow almost twice as many passing yards per game. Um, so, with like zero home field advantage in my mind, probably a Cowboys crowd and that pass defense for the chargers. I'm just going, I'm going to Dallas money line here. I think it's a great bounce back spot for them. And I think this is a game the chargers lose. Okay. Um, there's a lot of other, just, I've, I've one thought there, there's some games like jets, Eagles don't want to really touch um, Rams. Cardinals don't want to touch touchdown or longer in those games. San, um, Cincinnati, I think has turned a bit of a corner thought Joe Burrow looked good. I know it's Arizona, but they've been a feisty bunch here uh, early on. I think Arizona can't be taken lightly on a week-to-week basis. I know they were supposed to be really bad, but Dobbs isn't horrible. I know Connor just went down, but I'm impressed with the Bengals are 2-3. and three. It's a bigger spot for them. I think Seattle can kind of hang and just tread water, and I think Seattle's going to be fine and be in the mix for a wild-card spot in the NFC. I know they're coming off the bye their backfield's banged up, um, so because uh, Walker. Well, I'm sorry, I'm thinking of someone else. Walker was good for for Seattle going back to their game um, Monday night against the Giants, but I think this is the I think this is a really good spot for the Bengals uh, at minus three. I would prefer the two, two and a half or an two and a half or better. I, I do like the Bengals. Yeah, so I think that's something that this might be a kind of a turning point week for the Bengals. If, they, if there was a team I would come back in on, we'll just transition, get into best bets. Yep. Um, I'm going to, I'll go first. Well, actually, you go first because you've kind of hit on yours already. Yeah, I'll start because there's zero analysis here. If you're fast forwarding or whatever, just go back to the college football segment, listen to the analysis on Notre Dame, Moneyline, and Washington minus two and a half. Those two going straight college are going to be my best bets this week. I'm reiterating a lot of what Julian just said, but I, I do think the Colts plus four, uh, the look ahead line from a week ago is five and a half. If you got it, then great. That's where I played it, but I think it's still fine at four. The post London fatigue Jags there two straight weeks. These teams have a choice to take the buy. They chose not to use their buy. And then the Jags are on a short week. So 
I'm curious as to how they handle this. They just beat Buffalo. It's a really high emotional win for them after consecutive weeks. I like the Jags against Buffalo getting five and a half in this spot. I like the Colts who without Anthony Richardson have been just fine. See that Ravens game. Gardner Minshew hung in there. Might be the best backup in the league. Um, sorry if I'm missing someone really obvious, but Gardner Minshew as a backup is capable. It should up their passing attack. Another week for Jonathan Taylor to get back in the mix. Um, and yeah, I was impressed with that, uh, with that Ravens game, um, where Minshew, uh, kept them in it. And there's a lot of trends on Trevor Lawrence against the spread. Julia mentioned one earlier, 0-5 against the spread as a home favorite. Uh, Jacksonville, Trevor Lawrence is not good at covering, period. 18-23 and 23 in his career against the spread. Indy has been a team he's actually fared well against, but also a spot, I think, for the Colts to circle. They've improved since that week one loss to Jacksonville by 10 points. I think the Colts are a better off team. They're not as bad as a four-point underdog. Give me the Colts. Samir, coming off the Tua victory on the alt-passing yards. I, I I'm trying to wrap my head around this one. You've come up with something even more funky, but I'm into it. What do you got? Yeah, I like digging through the numbers and the offerings we have on DK Sportsbook. You know how we offer more than basically everything else. Um, so I like Detroit to cover the spread in the first quarter at plus 124. Uh, they're 4-1 on this first quarter play on the season, averaging the most points in the first quarter this season with nine, averaging 10.5 points uh, in the first quarter on the road. Tampa is 28th in the league, averaging one and a half point in the first quarter. Over their last three first quarters, they've kicked one field goal. So, seems pretty solid to me. Plus money bet. Lock it in. All right. First quarter. What a best bet. And it's a 4.30 game, too. So, you have a little time in the afternoon to get settled into the other action and then sweat out a 4.25 game. They'll just cut right in from whatever game game. runs before that. Excellent. All right. Thanks again to our guest, Johnny Avello, back for another spot for Odds Are. Corby Craig of Keep Betting for Julian and Samir. Glash signing off on Unreasonable Odds, presented by DraftKings. We'll talk to you again next week. Odds and lines are subject to change. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.